Welcome to The Blast Zone, the podcast where we dig up the bombs that shook Hollywood and try to find out why they went up in flames. This week, somebody get the movie studio of Phoenix down, because I think they're dead. This is Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Welcome, welcome to the Blast Zone. Welcome to the Blast Zone. I am John Drake, in-house film critic of my Letterboxd account. And I'm Ian Dukes. I'm a person with thoughts and feelings, and some of them are about movies. Movies like Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, oh my. we're going to be talking about today. Oh my is right. Before we get into that, Ian, how are you doing this week? Oh, man, you know what? I don't have an answer because oh. I don't know how I'm doing. I have to usually think about it in advance. I forgot to do that. I was very busy getting ready for the show. I'm going to say that I'm fine and I'm going to say my usual thing, which is the truth. I'm stoked to be here with you and a really fun guest this week. So I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm having a little bit of an existential crisis right now because I bought a new house kind of recently. As you know, I've mentioned it on the podcast before and I've got right. a lot more land than I'm used to and a lot more like woodsy areas. So I have all these cute chipmunks around my house and I was telling some friends, showing them pictures, like, look at all these chipmunks. And they were like, they're going to destroy your house. They're going to ruin your foundation. You got to get rid of those chipmunks. Oh, so now shit. I'm like, that was like 10 minutes before we came on the air. So I'm sitting here <laughs> like, what fuck am I going to do about these chipmunks? But you know, that's not for this podcast. It's not a chipmunk podcast. It's a movie podcast. So we're going to get into it. And we do have a good guest today. Oh, we sure do. He is social media brand manager, internet content creator, my coworker. And my friend, it's Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Very happy to be here. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, great to have you here. Oh, why, thank you. I'm, I'm very honored. I, I belong here, and uh, let's do this. All right, Jeff, how are you doing this week? <laughs> I, I'm actually doing very well, I've got to say. I've been hanging out a lot with my uh, daughter, and uh, she's been cool. Not yelling a lot. It's nice. Very cool. <laughs> that's what we like to hear. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. A rare non-yelling daughter. I wish I could say the same. My daughter be yelling. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how it goes sometimes. But... You know what we like to do at the top of every episode before we start talking about the movie we're covering for the week? We like to go around, mention something we each watched that we thought was cool or interesting that's not related to the podcast. So, Jeff, have you been watching anything interesting lately? I have been watching the most interesting thing that everybody else has been watching. So it's not really anything obscure, but the Loki. I just kind of tore through the entire thing. And I don't know if you covered anything about that or if you guys have seen it yet, but it's definitely worth it. It is a condensed Marvel movie that is just presented as a series. It's really good. Nice. The only Marvel series I've watched so far is WandaVision. I haven't got around to Falcon and Winter Soldier or Loki yet, but I definitely will. And Tom Hiddleston's just a delight. Dude, I, I would totally put Loki on par or better than WandaVision, and I had high regard for WandaVision. Really? Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier's Okay, it had a good last episode, but it was yeah. not the same. But yeah, big time. That's high praise. I saw the first episode and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I thought it was one thing. And then by the end of the episode, it turned into a new season of True Detective. And I'm like, okay, this is going to get weird. Like, <laughs> like I don't know if that's what it was the rest of the time. But based on your high praise, I, I probably should go back and find out. It kept going with the weird. Oh, that's no surprise there. Yeah, Loki is a character. It just lends itself to weirdness. So that's, that's good to hear. Ian, what about you? What do you got for us this week? So I watched... Watched A Quiet Place Part 2, which was now available to me on streaming, hadn't been before. A Quieter Place. Yeah. Sorry. It's a stylish movie. It's got some swag. It delivers good, a solid alien monster fun. The first 10 minutes of the movie is definitely the best part. It's good after that, but it's really fun in the beginning when they're flashing back to before the first movie. Millicent Simmons, who plays the daughter Regan, I thought was really good. All the actors are good in it. She kind of stood out to me. What I liked is that Krasinski, who, who directed 
directed it, obviously, but also wrote this one solo, is that he has this instinct to trust the audience intelligence. He moves fast. He doesn't hold your hand, which I enjoy. I appreciate. And that was refreshing. But then I felt like by the middle and the end of the movie, he could have used some writing help. There were like some holes in the plot and like the reasonings why things happened. I'm like, this is not quite holding up for me. I, I no longer feel the tension because... I don't believe that things would work out that way, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's an alien horror movie. How much do you want to ask from it? It's still fun. I saw a tweet that was like somebody sent about A Quiet Place Part 2, and they were just like, why do they want to live so bad? It's like, <laughs> I get it. Because in, right? in the first one, like they're having conversations by waterfalls, and it looks like so the aliens came here. I was like, that seems like a lot of work. I might just throw in the towel at some point. <laughs> but no, I'm glad to hear that the second part holds up. I know it's, it's available to stream now, and I have Paramount Plus, so I definitely want to check it out. Out and I'll take a look at that in the next few days. I have a movie I really liked starring Nicolas Cage that I want to talk about called Pig. It's kind of making the rounds as this, like, it's not what you think it is, but it really isn't what you think it is. Really? It's kind of being marketed as John Wick or Taken, but with a pig right. and Nicolas Cage. But it's really a, a very quiet movie about grief and isolation. It's really good. Uh, Nicolas Cage is still more than able to bring the goods when he wants to, when he finds a script he wants to sink his teeth into. And uh, his character doesn't have a lot of lines in this movie. He's not a guy who talks a lot, but he just in his eyes and his mannerisms delivers a really good performance. So definitely recommend checking it out, but don't go into it expecting like a big action movie. It's much more of a, a quiet, sad drama. Sounds cool. Nicolas Cage, he always creates a spectacle when he turns up in any movie. And some of them are really bad but like you said he's got the talent why can't he do good ones once in a while he's he's in a lot of bad movies but i don't think he's often bad in a movie if that makes uh -huh. sense if that distinction i think is important like i don't think he's typically the problem with the movies he's in he's just you know dinosaur bones are expensive and he's got a habit he likes buying dinosaur <laughs> bones he's got to make a lot of movies to pay for all of them so That's i understand he's not getting the 25 million dollar paychecks anymore he's got to do like 30 movies a year to buy a new <laughs> t-rex or whatever it's got to get smaller more common dinosaurs and who kind of life is that can't you just get a chicken skeleton and be like look at this very small <laughs> dinosaur yeah, i don't think he wants to go that route he's too proud <laughs> so now we're gonna get into final fantasy the spirits within oh boy what to say about this movie now i wanted to start with you ian because jeff and i kind of big video game fans big fans of this video game series you have a different relationship to it do you want to tell us what you know about the games or what you remember about this movie when it came out my relationship to this movie is uh missed connection i have no memory of it coming out I didn't know anything about it going into it. I am familiar in a general sense with the Final Fantasy game series. I didn't play any of those, but like I've played a little bit of Mass Effect, which I think was inspired by this movie, sure. actually, in terms of like the characters yeah. have the same haircuts. That's true. But so I have like a vague familiarity what those type of games do, at least in the modern era. So anyway, all that being said, I had this general idea of what Final Fantasy might be. And then I learned that it doesn't matter because this movie has nothing to do with any of that. And right. Uh, the movie has. At all. No. The movie I'll point does, out the similarities, though, but that's it. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple. This movie has nothing. Like, I see this listed all the time on, like, most expensive video game movies of all time. Biggest video game movie bombs. And I'm like, this movie has nothing to do with video games and almost nothing to do with movies. It's just, like, a extended <laughs> 
tech demo, I think. Jeff, why don't you tell, tell me a little bit about your background with Final Fantasy? Well, I'm a gamesman. Mm-hmm. Me play video games long time since me, small child. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I've always been very much attached to the Final Fantasy series. Started out with Final Fantasy VII, played all the rest of them since then, and then have gone back and, and played the earlier ones. And I can confirm what you just said. This movie has absolutely nothing to do with the Final Fantasy games. Each game does take place in its own world completely, completely outside of and separate to the other Final Fantasy games, but there's like some characteristics that carry over from game to game to game, none of which were referenced whatsoever in this movie. So even like the little Easter eggs that they could have easily thrown in to make it kind of a lie to say that it's not just a weird IP move, there was nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, and we'll kind of get into like some spots where I feel like it would have been really easy to just sneak something in as fan service and they they didn't make that move. But I'm like you, I, I found this series with Final Fantasy VII and was immediately hooked. My game time on my PlayStation 1 uh, version of Final Fantasy VII was like 99, 99, 99. Like I played it until the <laughs> game couldn't keep track of me anymore. And every game, probably up until 12, I played pretty religiously after it was released. And not, now more intermittently, but I still come back and check on them from time to time. But I love this series. I went and saw this in theaters uh, opening weekend me with too. a group of friends. Wow. And we were all really excited. And we left and I think we were trying to put a brave face on, but we, we were all pretty sad that I I remember wondering if it was good because at the time I was a kid and I was playing through Final Fantasy and those stories are kind of like very airy and just like friendship is the truest power and and such like like trying to understand the Kingdom Hearts plot now it just kind of throws you way off unless you've actually studied and played through all the games so I was just I can remember as a kid coming through that movie saying man did I just watch a Final Fantasy movie I don't really understand what happened (laughs) so this rewatching made it very clear of what was happening. Yeah, that, that's probably the thing that most has in common with Final Fantasy is that the story is bonkers and right. uh, very dense and can be opaque, to say the least, when you're trying to decipher exactly what's going on. Yeah, so I had this experience where my very first watch of it was earlier this week, and I did a second watch today. I like to try to squeeze a little extra time in with the movie, especially when I haven't seen it before. And the first watch, it made me so mad. I was like, oh, this movie, I hate it. And why is it? And I didn't quite know why is it making me so angry? It seems mediocre, but it was like aggressively mediocre. That was my first theory on what's wrong with this movie is that like it was just aggressively blah. And then I saw my second watch. The aggression kind of melted away and it was just mediocrely mediocre. And I I don't know. Movies get me when I revisit them. I come down to their level. I meet them where they are. But I think it helps to know some of the things that you learn by the end in terms of like, why is she avoiding the scanner? Like, oh, you find out later. But within the movie, the first time it didn't really make sense. So it just seemed like people are doing weird things for reasons that don't seem to make sense. And because the whole thing is kind of crude enough, you go, well, they didn't know why they were doing that. Characters were making random choices and scenes. And then that irritated me. But I guess I was a little less irritated when I understood that some of the decisions actually had reasons. I will say that I'm still going to be mean to this movie, even if you've come around a little bit. I will carry the torch of people that are mad. So that's good. (laughs) Do you want me to kind of get into the background of the movie and how they got it made? Yeah, let's hear how this thing happened. All right. So. In 1997, Square was on top of the video game world following the release of their smash hit PlayStation-exclusive RPG Final Fantasy VII. It was around this time that Square had the idea to start a film production company and release a fully computer-generated photorealistic movie called Gaia. As in, give a guy a break, it's my first movie. Conceived as an English-language movie, the newly christened Square Pictures set up shop in a Hawaiian render farm loaded with cutting-edge technology and a huge staff to make the movie they had now titled Final Fantasy the spirits within. 
Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of the video game series and director of several of the entries, was chosen to direct the movie despite having no previous film experience. He'd never even seen one. In April 2000, it was announced that Square would be partnering with Columbia Pictures to distribute the film worldwide, with Square Pictures retaining sole distribution rights in Asia. The movie's original budget of $70 million proved to be nowhere near sufficient, as a big-name cast and a staff of 200 people working long hours to finish the film ballooned the budget to nearly $140 million. Ming-Na Wen was cast as lead character Aki Ross, and A-list actors like Alec Baldwin, James Woods, Ving Rhames, Steve Buscemi, and Donald Sutherland rounded out the rest of the ensemble. With a cast this good, what could go wrong? By the time of the film's release in July of 2001, Square had released several more Final Fantasy games to great success, confirming fans still had an appetite for the series. That appetite did not translate to the box office, however, as the movie could not summon fans to the theater, earning only $32 million in North America and $85 million worldwide. Reviews of the movie were mixed, with most heralding the film as a technological breakthrough with an uninspired story, and video game fans complained the movie had nothing to do with the games outside of featuring a character named Sid, and they didn't even spell it right. The typo within. The film would lose about $94 million, and Square Pictures would fold following the film's meteoric failure. $94 million, by the way, adjusted for inflation, $144 million, so it's a $100 million club movie. The big boy club. Wow. Welcome. One of the big ones. Yeah, we only got a few of those so far, so this is quite an event. So that's the story of this movie. Quite a bit of hubris on display here by the filmmakers. I think they might have changed the movie to Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, as a soulless cash grab move, but, you know, who am I to say? Certainly, Gaia would have been a more appropriate movie name, I think. Well, she did say the line, the, the phantoms inside me, like, four times. <laughs> throughout the movie and i'm just sitting there like is this a translation deal is she supposed to be is this where you're supposed to be like that's the name of the movie but it's not it's, yeah, like, it's just a so, little different to paraphrase <laughs> it's not like they had all this film they couldn't just like redub her saying the spirits within me it would have been so easy but no do you guys remember john you mentioned in the monologue that like the critic reception was really a lot of times focused around the cgi uh-huh. right? like this was an event do you remember being in that place where you could be so wowed just to see a face in it has yes. pores and birthmarks and hairs on it. That yes. was, like, that that was, was fresh in my mind this whole time because I remember the marketing of this whole movie was this is the first big CGI photorealistic movie. Go see it. And like they were leaning on that way more than the story or character buildings because none of the characters are memorable, have any emotion or death. That's a whole other thing. But like that was the big pushing point. It was just so beautiful at the time where now it looks like a Mass Effect cutscene that goes right. for like hours. The CGI is not cutting edge by today's standards at all, but it was a big deal at the time. And a weird amount of the marketing was not just like, look how realistic these people look. It was like, look how hot Dr. Aki Ross is like, isn't she sexy? And I was like, this is weird, but I have some notes about that coming up later, but they really were just pushing like, don't they look so real? And it actually, this movie led to like a little bit of a crisis in Hollywood with some actors being like, this is a travesty. They're trying to eliminate us. There's just going to be voice actors and CGI people. And like 2021, we still haven't figured out how to insert a CGI character that's supposed to look human into a movie and make it work. Like Rogue right. One probably got the closest, but it's it still looked weird to me, and I could totally tell that it was a CGI creation. Yeah. So it seems like everyone was kind of panicking for no reason. To me, there's like a parallel between this and the music world, right? Now, all of a sudden, there's drum machines and samplers, and people are like, oh, we'll never need musicians again. And then you go back and listen to the music, and it's like... Boom, 
Like, oh, <laughs> exactly drummers, drummers are going to be that. out of business. I think at the time, like the Uncanny Valley thing was much stronger where you're just kind of looking at these characters and you're like, something's a little bit off. Like now, because we have such better CGI, that's way dampened because we're coming back to it and saying, okay, it looks like a video game cutscene. I'm familiar immediately inserting myself into that place to watch it. So like, it's comfortable on the eyes. Whereas at the time you were in that spectacle mode of, oh, look at how many, you could see individual hairs on her head and she's moving and talking and look, his face moved when he got electrocuted it, it made twitching <laughs> pains and it was in 3d and it looked like a real man getting like it was kind of hard to, to kind of bring myself there while watching the movie again but not that that yeah. should add to the quality of the actual story because it didn't <laughs> yeah no i think you you hit on something that's just right it's like now if you watch it now which i did for me the first time it's like you totally ignore the the look right like oh it's fine we've seen that before and now we can just focus purely on the content which is dangerous for this movie because the content's not so good. Yes, the story is definitely a weak point. It feels like a tech demo stretched out to like almost two hours in length. But speaking of that story that doesn't really exist and also doesn't matter, did you want to kind of walk us through the story, Ian, and get us going on what's all going down with sure. the spirits within? Yeah, let's jump into this. It is the future and Earth is absolutely fucked. It's been mostly destroyed by some alien phantoms who crashed into the Earth on a big meteor. These phantoms will kill you by ripping your soul out of your body and devouring it. But if that isn't enough, they'll also infect you and kill you like a disease. A scientist named Dr. Aki Ross, played by Ming-Na Wen, believes she knows the only way to truly defeat the aliens. She must finish collecting a set of positive energy spirits, and then she can set up a wave thingy that will cancel out the phantoms. Aki is secretly infected herself, and she has a test version of the wave thingy inside her body, working to keep the infection at bay. The military leader, General Hine, played by James Woods, is against Aki and her plan because he doesn't like her new age theories, and he'd rather try to blow up the phantoms with lasers. Yeah, none of this has anything to do with Final Fantasy, for the record. Once again, cannot reiterate that enough. <laughs> I will say that the guard security uniforms were very similar in visual design to the Shinra soldiers in Final Fantasy VII. Oh, True. That's yeah, that's some- First That's mission it. you do, yeah, when you're running through the reactor. Their armor was kind of the same. Uh, the goggle eyeballs and stuff? Yeah, yeah. And, and the weird head-shaped helmets and All right. everything. But why do they need the armor when the only thing that they're fighting are phantoms, which can kill you regardless of how much armor you're wearing? Like, shouldn't they just be wearing the lightest clothes imaginable so they could run faster? Something comfortable, breathable, maybe? <laughs> it's in case they trip, because there's a lot of sharp rocks in this movie. It's mostly <laughs> sharp rocks. It's true. There, there's a lot of sharp rocks in the background. Yeah, they seem to not. live in a very rock-filled environment. <laughs> so we mentioned the CGI, but there's something going on with the way the characters move that I find really distracting. Did you guys notice that like they keep shaking Aki's head to show the hair move? Like she, oh, yeah. every time she like turns her head, <laughs> yeah. it's like overly dramatic because they're like, look at her hair. It's fucking moving, you guys. Like, it's almost like a commercial for conditioner. <laughs> she keeps bobbing her head and these waves go through her hair. Final like- Fantasy, the panty pro v more likely (laughs) oh but yeah it really feels like they're like look at the cool stuff we can do with cgi pay no attention to what's going on on the screen and that's further driven home by the fact like i i would bet money nobody was in the same room when they recorded their dialogue for this movie did you get that vibe from the way the characters talk to each other i love this theory you mentioned it to me the other day john and i'm like oh my god that totally makes sense there's some clues to it in the the wikipedia entry some quotes from ming na wen saying how easy it was to work on this film while she was still shooting er at the time and all she had to do was pop into the studio for a few minutes here and there and record some 
some lines and it's like, wait a minute. That did makes they ever, sense. Like make these actors act out these scenes or did they just tell them, okay, give me three versions of stop where you are and now read this line. Like that's the way it comes across. It's kind of like cut and paste. It stands out to me in a movie when a line is clearly 80 yard because it just never matches the energy of the scene. And this is like an entire movie that's 80 yard. Like, yeah. yeah. And like you could just hear Gray will say something and he'll be like really urgent and like yelling. And then Aki will be like, Stop it. It just like none of their tones yeah. match. Like the energy levels are different. It just doesn't I, feel right. I feel like they just have no idea at all, even what's being on the screen at the time. I could be wrong. I don't know the full animation process, but I'm assuming they did the lines first because yeah. they had to make these ultra realistic mouths and everything and faces match the voice. Uh, so right. if they're just in this situation with no visual reference, nobody to act off of, they just had to kind of fit it together as best they could. So, so like that feeling totally makes sense, especially in any scene where you do see somebody's soul just get ripped out of their body by this giant glowing half ethereal alien the people around them make no facial expression or (laughs) vocal exclamation of oh my god holy shit your soul just got ripped out of your body and devoured there's no afterlife for you that could happen to me and so all the while they're saying ghosts aren't real but you just saw your friend's ghost get eaten by a ghost worm like you just saw that but yeah there's just no emotion behind any of the acting the reaction times are so slow but it's true like the skepticism runs way too long for all the things these people have seen they're like get out of here with your new age ideas like no man this person just got eaten by a phantom in front of you (laughs) why are you so incredulous they witnessed the souls being yanked from people's bodies and then they're like dr aki don't talk to me about your woo woo spirit stuff there's no such thing as spirits. <laughs> and yet, like, the government praises him apparently as this high-tiered, number one top scientist that has military access. And all of his research is 100% based on spiritual energy medicine. He literally right. had Gray, he's sit down, let me plug you into this spirit dream machine, which means that I know the technology and theories behind this down to a fact science, enough to make a machine to plug you into. Yeah, he's amazing. But then nobody believes in any of it. It's ridiculous. That character you're talking about is the Sid character, right? Dr. Sid. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Sid. So every um, Final Fantasy game features a character named Sid, spelled C-I-D. They spell it S-I-D in the credits here, so they didn't even get that part right. But also, Sid's a, first, Sid's a first name. But Dr. Yep. Sid sounds weird. That sounds like Dr. Bob from The Simpsons. <laughs> it was a Dr. Nick. Yeah, Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, Hi, everybody. <laughs> that's basically what it is. <laughs> it's just so strange that the skepticism they treat him with, but I guess we did give Dr. Oz a TV show, and he's kind of peddling the same bullshit-ass idea. So. But Dr. Sid was right. I don't want to paint them with the same brush let me be clear right it is weird because on one hand you understand why the general is skeptical they've, they've been fighting this war for 20 years and then here's this guy coming in with this theory that's only professed or even worked on by two people in the world Sid and Aki. Like, okay. But then on the other hand, Dr. Sid invented everything they've got. Like at one point he goes, 20 years ago, I figured out this whole deal and I made the lasers. I made the sensors. I made all the technology that powers everything we do. So it's like, okay, well, why isn't he the boss of the world at this point? Like this guy saved (laughs) whoever's alive on earth right now, owes everything to this one man. And yet he's burning his journal because he doesn't want to be discovered as a believer in the earth Earth spirit. The witch hunt about the earth spirits is strange considering like how obviously other worlds they appear just by looking at them. They're literally moving through buildings and shit. Like, why is a supernatural explanation so frowned upon? I don't know. And we, we never really find out. And they have all this technology to 
scan and locate the phantoms based on their energy patterns and their energy patterns are the same as the earth spirit which is why i can interact and so like they can't drill down a couple feet and scan through the earth and detect that there's this enormous giant glowing blue spirit energy signal coming from that's a whole other thing but (laughs) yeah why did it take them to the very end of the movie till they get to the bottom of the crater and they go wait our sensors are showing a blue thing over here this is not the usual red things that we see this is a blue thing guys this one's blue i I love how like color-coded the movie is though it's like Yes. And red. It's the only two types of energy. Nothing, it's no, nothing in the middle. I did love. I don't know why it made me laugh. It was maybe it was marijuana. But when it said old, <laughs> describing something as old New York City, because like they cancel each other out. You know, shouldn't it just be York City at that point? But so this movie was released in July 2001. But they're New York City, no Twin Towers. I'm not saying the guys at Square Pictures knew what was going to happen, but it's worth asking the question. Like, what did they know? It's a little spooky. I mean, I'm not comfortable extrapolating anything from that information, but let's keep those uh, spirits within. Yeah, I just thought it's worthwhile to to ask the question. Absolutely. All right, what else did you have to talk about in this section, Ian? We talked about Dr. Sid was played by Donald Sutherland, like a really recognizable voice. The one point that tickled me, they get to this leadership council that's deciding whose strategy we're going to follow to fight the aliens. And the main dude is Keith David, who also has a really recognizable voice. You hear his voice like, "Ah, I know that dude. Like his attitude is usually shut the fuck up, motherfuckers. And so like (laughs) he comes on to start talking. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to call bullshit on this whole movie. We're not going to hear any nonsense from Keith David, but he, he played it straight and I was a little, little bit let down. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the main problem I have with this movie. I had this note up to talk about at another point, but you kind of just tied into it perfectly is that outside of General Hine and like his little lackey, everyone in this movie is just like nice and level headed. And all they do is like listen to each other and be like, that's interesting. Maybe we'll look into that. And then they just move yep. on. There's no complexity to any of these characters. They're as one dimensional as they come. And there's no conflict or character development out outside of the main plot of the movie. So nobody has an arc. Nobody goes through any real changes. Nobody recognizes what they could be doing differently, like stuff that happens in a movie. Everyone's just like, we got to find out about the spirits. We're all friends. We're all getting along. And I think that's why you get a movie director to work on this and not a video game director, because you can parse those kinds of things, those more complicated and in-depth character moments when you have 70 hours of playtime in a video game. But when you have 90 minutes, you have to find ways to work them in to the main story beats. And they're just like completely out of their depth to do so here. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing too, is that's interesting is when you talk about like it being a game director, a lot of time game directors use that empty space between these cutscenes in order for you to kind of identify with a character and instill your own personalities and values onto that character and then see what they do on their decision-making and kind of play it from there to see the story. Whereas there was no real clear developed character that had to make decisions decisions that were outside of their character at all. There was no difficult decision-making process. When the director has control of the movie, they're supposed to kind of guide that whole trail through, and there's just no development. Yeah, that's pretty damning criticism right there to say that there's less character development than your average video game in this movie. Because yes. they actually left the tension out of it where you get to make choices. You're right. There's no internal conflicts. Every character is totally flat. They want what they want. They talk about it out loud. Um, the only tiny exception to that was in the romance. Okay, the characters don't say out loud that they are hot for each other and eventually it comes out. That's the only subtext 
going on or hidden motives. Even in these movies, there's the corny thing where like the bad guy tries to act like he's helping you until he's secretly right. bad. But this bad guy is just antagonistic on the surface from <laughs> right. the start. His, his whole character trait, it's like they wrote out a napkin, man who wants to fire the Zeus cannon. <laughs> Let me shoot my big gun, guys. Come That's on, please. That's the only thing that he does. It's like, <laughs> I don't think he designed it. Maybe he did. And he's just like, man, if they don't fire the Zeus cannon, I, I don't get all this money. But like, <laughs> there's not even that. It's just, we would fire the Zeus cannon. And they're like, here's a very... <laughs> very detailed holographic image of what will happen when you fire that cannon. It will not kill all of them. They will burrow deeper into the earth and that could be an issue because it couldn't. And he's just like, no, with your science speak, I will fire my Zeus cannon. And that's it. That was his whole character. And by God, he lives it out. He lives his best life. He, he fires that cannon until there's no more firing. <laughs> he was my favorite character though. He really was my favorite character. Yeah. His single-mindedness <laughs> is almost endearing. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, he's sadly probably one of the more realistic characters in that way because <laughs> there are plenty of people that get into government who are just like let me fire the big cannon yep. come on can i get you guys take on the elevator scene oh. so this is one point that just weirded me out and i'm like what's going on here so we find out that the two heroes are former lovers and i guess the team figures that out too and they are getting into this elevator together and the funny comic relief sidekicks decide that they're going to sabotage the elevator to make it break down and give their boss, Captain Gray, some time with Aki to maybe put the moves on her. And it seems really creepy and awkward and just like, this is not how people act or talk or anything. Not my favorite scene. It's creepy, all the little one-liners. Also, my main issue with this scene is like, the Earth's not doing great, man. You're going to break an elevator just to get your <laughs> boss laid? Like, you don't know. Yes. You don't know how many elevator technicians are there left. What if you really fuck this thing up? And now, like, <laughs> you can't save the Earth because this elevator doesn't work and you were just trying to get your boss laid. But you got to think of the ramifications of the world they're living in at this point. They're on their last legs. They don't have spare parts and shit laying around, I assume. Yeah, they're in a post-apocalyptic dystopia and they're barely surviving. At any moment, their bodies could be pierced by the tentacles of a creature ripping their soul from them. And they're pulling hijinks like they're in a 1940s musical. They're on a Navy ship <laughs> doing some kooky hijinks with Jack Lemmon. It was kind of the only real time in the movie where they tried to sexualize her character. And it, uh, it was such exactly, it was like a logic-free moment of just like, yes, let's sabotage this and just make this scene happen. We will force <laughs> yeah. this scene to be in the movie. And it, there's no reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason for it in the movie, and there's no reason for it in the production of the movie. It didn't just, develop anything. It's just bad scene. Yeah, and it, it could have been a real accident, right? Like, oh, the elevator yeah. broke. It's a tropey kind of scene. But yeah, why not? Why drag Steve Buscemi into this and Ving Rhames <laughs> and make them into total creepoids? Steve Buscemi's character, who looks suspiciously like Gray, by the way, they have like the same haircut. They're both just like brunette white guys with the same haircut. You couldn't give one of them like a beard or I make know. one of them bald or something. Like, you don't like differentiate them a little bit make one blonde i don't know there's got to be a way where these guys can look a little more different that rang true to like <laughs> video game character development sometimes yeah. where you get yeah. like which character shape do you want man or woman <laughs> not customize their hair color slightly taller man slightly shorter man <laughs> that's years ahead i know I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself it's 2001 right. we gotta dumb it down anything else from this section you guys wanted to touch on let's hear what other dumb stuff happens in this movie so Aki goes off on a mission to collect the second to last good spirit, accompanied by her ex-boyfriend, Captain Gray Edwards, played by Alec Baldwin. She collects it, but almost gets killed by the Phantoms. While recovering, Aki finally deciphers the secret of her recurring dreams. The Phantoms are actually... G -g 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 ghosts 
The evil General Hine plans to use an alien attack as an excuse to seize power, but the attack is bigger than he thought. His men are killed, but the general escapes and flies up to his enormous orbiting space cannon. Aki and Gray escape and realize they must go into the depths of the alien crater to retrieve the eighth and final good spirit. Oh boy. This is the halfway point of the movie, and that's when they spring the big twist on us. (laughs) Folks, hold on to your seats. The phantoms are (laughs) ghosts. Two words that mean the same thing. The phantoms inside me are truly the spirits inside me. I was like, oh, wait, like we weren't supposed to know that already? Like, they look very ghostly. They're you know? translucent and steal souls <laughs> right. and ignore your corporeal form. There should be enough there for you. As yeah. far as ghosts go, they're pretty stereotypical. I, I just, this didn't hit for me as the twist they thought it was. No, I think that they probably should have put some little explainers in the opening scenes. Like, all right, boys, we're going to fight the phantoms. And remember, they're actual aliens and not at all ghosts even though we call them phantoms. <laughs> Why are you talking like a newspaper man from like the 1940s? Oh, All right, boys. Step up, step up. This just in, phantoms, not ghosts. No. Oh, oh, boy. Yeah, but the, the dialogue is bad. Alec Baldwin, in the middle of the scene, they're trying to catch Aki. She runs away. And instead of going like, she's making a break for it. He goes, let's move, people. Like, that's something you say when your your gang is, like, lying around and you need to roust them out of inaction. There's all these things where there'll be a dialogue line that's like, that didn't go there. Like, somebody pasted right. that in. To it make stitched the, together a little bit. Yeah. They just gave them, like, a sheet of generic sentences to say, and we're like, we'll make a movie out of this. It'll be fine. <laughs> right, which, like, the, the game was produced in English too. So they don't have the excuse that the Final Fantasy games do of like, yes, the dialogue's a little bit off, but it is translated. Right. But it was just bad dialogue. There was was. no fail to hide it. Yeah. No, this was not written in another language and translated later on. They wanted this to be an English language movie from the jump. And we'll talk about how much of screenwriters they really were after this. But like Square didn't write this movie. They brought in two guys to actually write a script for it. I wonder how early in the process they were kind of let go to be like, all right, your work's done now. And then they were just like, shit, now we got to come up with some new stuff because reshoots happen and you kind of the story kind of changes as a movie gets made i don't know how much harder or easier it is to pivot in an animated or cgi movie like that but i assume changes were made throughout production and in fact i can confirm that's true because of articles i read so you can tell that they lost their screenwriters at some point and were just kind of winging it that happened with destiny yeah i know i love the whole thing but it's the the story is not its strong suit anymore nope and they lost nathan fillion all right sorry what to talk about in this section that we haven't already picked apart yeah james woods playing a fascist hard to believe i know that's a commentary on his real life persona (laughs) there was a moment for this reveal where she finds this out because she has this phantom infection inside of her that's contained within a force field like Tony Stark style and it causes her to have these dreams every day and so the dream came through with much greater clarity and then showed her finally the end of the dream and that was a big revelation of the meteor coming over full of space ghosts and uh, landing somewhere coast to coast and then creating this horrible disaster and then she gets clarity oh my god I understand what they are they're ghosts and then it cuts immediately to the man who just wants to fire the Zeus cannon and he did he lower the shields intentionally for yes, like a demonstration? He, had to, he, said he, he said he had to do it to, oh, he had some stupid reason and I didn't take a note it, on it. But, it was about convincing right. the council, right? It was, oh, one, it was like a classic an urgency creation. Move. Right. Make an obstacle so, that then you then have to remove. Seconds after she has this huge revelation that's in this world of, oh my God, they're ghosts from another planet. They're ghosts. He, in a completely separate part of the world, is in his office and they open this thing and one of the aliens goes into a pipe, like an energy pipe, and he has 
has the revelation that they are ghosts based on the assumption of, and he says it this way, no living thing can make it through those pipes and survive. And so because there were aliens in the pipes, it wasn't that they're weird aliens, which they already are. It was, they must be ghosts because I would die if I was in that pipe. They're ghosts. You've seen them go walk through walls and ceilings (laughs) and floors. Like, they've already done things people can't do. They had the same revelation that was just completely unearned within the same (laughs) 10-second time span. Yeah, she goes on this big journey to come to that conclusion, and he's just like, (laughs) the pipes! (laughs) They can't survive in pipes! What is this, Mario or ghosts? One of those two things. I was going for a Mario joke there, too. I tried. (laughs) I kind of scooped it up. You did. It doesn't even make sense, though, because the pipes are full of the energy that Doc Dr. Sid discovered, and that's the same energy that they use in their guns to shoot the ghosts, which are the only things that sort of kill ghosts. But they don't kill ghosts if the ghosts are like, it's pipe time, no killing us. Pipe time. Pipe time. Pipe time is a nice regulated flow of ghost juice. It sounds like something else. That sounds like when, you know, you've got the kids are away for the night, the grandparents are about to watch Final Fantasy of Spirits. You're about to watch Final Fantasy of Spirits. (laughs) Did you guys find it weird that, like, they didn't try to make any of the animated characters look like their real life counterparts? I found that a little distracting to see, like, this voice, because, like, the Steve Buscemi voice coming out of this man who looks nothing like Steve Buscemi. Or Ving Rhames' voice coming out of this man looks nothing like Ving Rhames. I have to imagine that was an early design choice to get rid of just... It it can't look good if the tech isn't there to make a perfect Alec Baldwin. Okay, but Alec Baldwin, and here's what I think is interesting. He kind of looks like Matt Dillon, (laughs) like his character who was going to be gray. But Matt Dillon walked off the movie at some point, like early in the process, because he was like, oh, you guys are trying to kill acting. Oh, yeah, he was one of the people who had bought into the hysteria that like this is the end of acting and I will not participate in it. So I'm guessing they were like, well, fuck, we made this guy look like Matt Dillon. What are we going to do? But then most of the reviews mentioned that it just looks like Ben Affleck, which I guess Matt Dillon and Ben Affleck kind of look alike. Yeah. I I think, Jeff, you're onto something in that, like, they didn't want to be judged, right? Like, if you go for Steve Buscemi (laughs) and you don't get it, it's uh, it's obvious that you fucked it up. Right. Here, where it's like, oh, this is just generic dude. And who can say what generic dude should have looked like? That does make the most sense. Yeah, that's a good explanation. I think we're going to go with that just for my own internal logic. (laughs) That's all I know. I don't know any facts. All right, Ian, you want to take us home? (laughs) Sure. So in the final act, Aki and Gray locate the eighth and final spirit. But General Hine blasts the crater, killing the spirit. Oh, man, but also unleashing the huge mother spirit of the entire alien planet. Aki has a final dream vision in which she absorbs an alien spirit. And in real life, this completes the wave thingy in her chest. She starts up a wave transmitter to harmonize with the alien phantoms. But Hine starts blasting his cannon again, and he disrupts it. Hine keeps blasting away past the point of overheating, and his whole entire space cannon blows up and kills him. Back on the ground. Gray is badly wounded. He professes his love for Aki and he sacrifices his life, which somehow lets his soul transmit the good wave from Aki into the alien mother spirit. The aliens turn from red to blue and the world is saved. Mm-hmm. That is nice. Do you guys think the movie's parallels to Scientology are on purpose or just like a weird accident? <laughs> because uh, a war on an alien planet causes alien spirits to land on Earth seeking safety and they possess humans and feed on them is literally the story of Scientology, as bananas as that may sound. And that's the plot of this movie. It's it's oddly oh, similar. Almost exactly the same. Scientology, not big in Japan. Okay. Which is in their 
favor, I guess, that yeah. is just more of a coincidence. And but yeah, that that struck me as very strange when I kind of realized how close the parallels were. It's it's uncomfortably close. As much as we want to harp on these filmmakers, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt here and be like, oh, that was a crazy accident. To me, the Earth spirit stuff uh, and the spirits of nature reminded me of stuff in Miyazaki movies, which I'm no expert on, but I've seen a few of them. And those definitely have these same themes about how everything in nature is imbued with spirits and the relationship between humans and achieving balance and harmony with nature. So this felt like at least stuff that was showing up in Japanese popular culture around the same time. I think uh, Spirited Away came out the same year. If I, if I yeah, Spirited Away oh, was yeah. right around that. And that actually was probably one of the similarities to some of the Final Fantasy stuff too. Like uh, Final Fantasy 7, they said they started making this right after Final Fantasy 7. And the whole concept for Final Fantasy 7 was uh, you start out in this giant town called Midgars, this metropolis industrial center that is literally sucking out what they call Mako energy, which is their electricity and power source. And then you find out that a uh, bunch of aliens invaded and there's a whole story, but ultimately the uh, the Mako energy is a river of souls. It's Gaia and it's called oh. Gaia and it's where people, when you die, you go there and then you're reborn into new life type of deal so oh. like that's a vague concept parallel to the movie but the mechanics are not the same there's no you know alien phantoms coming through to destroy the world like it's, it's a very separate story that doesn't follow the arcs of final fantasy but that one part was similar which yeah, again could just be japanese culture like you're saying it makes sense so what else from this final section of the movie did you guys find interesting? I, I love seeing a blue sky beam. One of our favorite tropes oh, pops those. up a lot. Yeah. yeah, Blue sky beam can never go wrong. There was Hein's kind of, this was like one of the funniest scenes to me, and I'm not sure if it was intentional. Hein like arguing with the computer as he's trying to fire his giant cannon. Yeah. And he yeah. keeps telling him like it's going to overheat and, and kill everyone. And he's just it's like, so I good. don't care. It was, sir, the system won't allow us to fire again. And he just says, we'll see about that. And it's like, <laughs> that doesn't work. But I guess he literally must have pulled the safeties off and just kept punching the button. So he made it happen. It's my uh, favorite. He just he believes in what he <laughs> believes in and he has the gumption to make it happen no matter what happens to himself in the process. The movie really faked us out with his almost suicide. And then he was like, no, I'm not going out like that. I'm going to kill an entire planet first. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird moment. He had a realization like pretty quick that the aliens break through into the station that they're in where he starts letting them through and they kill the major who's like his right hand man and they kill a handful of soldiers. Stuff that's happening throughout them, a lot of military guys are getting killed during the course of this movie. But right away, the sort of rabid mad dog Hein, I've made a huge mistake. Like he pulls a, a Job from Arrested Development. I've made a huge mistake. And then that's not what he said. What did he actually say? I forgot what he said. But he basically admits that he's fucked up. He really what have I with done? His life. What have I that's done? What yeah. He walks right. out onto a precipice, onto a little catwalk and goes, what have I done in a dramatic moment? And then he somehow escapes and he is like down, man. He's got the gun against his temple. He is about to let himself go. And then the thing that turns him around back from totally crushed to jazzed up and evil as ever is that the spaceship asks him, where do you want to go? The screen screen catches his attention. It's beeping. It says, input your destination. And he goes, oh, wait a minute. I fucked a space cannon. I'm going to the space cannon. Fuck these guys. And he goes really evil again. And he just blasts him. And he keeps blasting him until he... Like what fuels him being evil is just hearing one line that's normal in a work day. Just like... <laughs> 
did you say enter my destination? Well, then I have a renewed <laughs> bloodlust for this land. And then there was that scene earlier in the movie where it starts out with, it's just a close up of his face and he's holding this green leaf, analyzing it for no reason because it has nothing to do with his plot arc. And, and he just hears somebody behind him who works for him and says, there's something you should see here, sir. And then he just has a dramatic crushing the leaf moment in front oh. of him and then throws it and then goes back and, and they're just like, oh yeah, no, see there's spirits here. And that was like the whole thing. But he just has like this weird evil recharge every time he hears a regular line in an office. Do you want me to make a copy of this? You're right. Genocide. <laughs> Fry, yay. I will kill everyone. But James Woods doing just James Woods things with that character being a real piece of shit. And <laughs> it's convincing. I'll say that. And He's... wearing black leather gloves in case all these other things, if you didn't know, he was a scary maniac. Fucking black leather gloves at all times. Yeah, he's got his like leather duster, his, yes. his black <laughs> leather gloves, trying to look like a fascist slash SM Dom. I don't know. He's, he's got a life outside of work. Don't judge him. We did mention a lot of the reviews mentioned the technology, but I was particularly shocked that Roger Ebert gave this three and a half out of four stars. But then if you read his review, it's like, none of this makes any sense. His, his actual quote was, There you go. Enough about the plot, which is merely the carrier of the movie's vision. The reason to see this movie is simply gloriously to look at it so yes this is a giant tech demo but somehow that's good i don't understand like, right that seems a like a, like a negative he gave this like one of his definitely his highest score for any video game movie ever yeah he was swept away in that really caught up in the joy of pixels was he spirited away he, he <laughs> oh the only other positive review i heard about this movie was from max i think it's caulfield the, the main character from life is strange Okay. Because if you go and look at her TV, she says, man, I could use this to watch my favorite movie of all time, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, <laughs> because it's made by Square Enix. Makes <laughs> it's sense. A very, it's a very good Easter egg. Now, Jeff, has Aki popped up in like Kingdom Hearts or anything? I'm not the Kingdom Hearts expert. I don't know. I don't. Okay. I can't imagine that they would try to drag this money pit into Kingdom Hearts. If they had all these huge plans for Aki Ross to become a digital actress. Like They were going to start putting her as Aki Ross but as another character, like the credits would say Aki Ross and she would be right. in, wow. in real movies. Like she'd be the only CGI person in these real movies. Obviously that was abandoned and also it would have looked fucking terrible because <laughs> so the CGI bad. was nowhere close to ready for that yet. <laughs> but that was like, that was their whole big plan. It's still for this. not. No, it 'll doesn't work <laughs> no. 20 years later and then Beowulf tried it six years after this in 2007 and that was even more like uncanny Valley yeah totally. but <laughs> it's yeah I just I don't think I don't know that we're ever gonna get there it works for a character like Gollum or like a big troll right. clearly I've rewatched Lord of the Rings recently but yeah <laughs> when you try to do a human it's just it's too specific and it just will never really work prove us wrong Hollywood I still think it could because I feel like it's hard for us to imagine the trajectory of technology like we we often underestimate it. In this case, as you see, a lot of people overestimated it, but it, it definitely has had a long road. But just the Moore's Law, when the computing power just continues to grow exponentially, at some point, I think we'll get there. Do you think we'll, do you think it'll be in our lifetime? Depends on how long the Earth lasts. So we don't know uh, how long our <laughs> lifetimes we should prepare for. But that moon is out there wobbling as we speak. <laughs> the moon is threatening us with its big wobbly ass. I'm working on that. What's your idea here, Jeff? Uh, grappling hook. Okay. Oh. And a lot of nylon rope. Okay. Just kind of hogtie the moon? Uh, I was thinking of spearing it straight through the center. Oh, I'm going to okay. call it my Zeus cannon, and it's going to get rid of those moon ghosts <laughs> once and for all. Jeff, I have bad news for you. I think somebody had this plan already, and it did not work out. 
they were short-sighted. <laughs> I, I could do that. <laughs> so as we mentioned, yeah, Matt Dillon was cast as the male lead, but he stormed out after seeing the footage of his character. Okay, so this right here kind of proves Jeff's point that the characters were rendered and everything before the actors were cast because he already saw footage of his character. It was so realistic, Dylan worried it was going to put actors out of business. Tom Hanks had reservations that CGI actors would replace real actors. I think they are a bunch of boomers, because how could you look at this and think, they're going to replace me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Especially when you look at the manpower and budget that goes into animating it versus what you can pay for a not huge name celebrity. Right. When, when was it that they turned Tom Hanks into the uh, the Christmas train guy? What was that movie? Oh, the uh, Something Express? <laughs> Polar Express. Polar Express. Express. It was Zemeckis. It was the Beowulf guy. 2004. So three years later, okay. they tried it. And they so. fell on their faces with that. that Hanks was, was like, I got to get in on this before you get cut out. This might be the last paycheck I can ever earn. <laughs> Hop aboard. Nobody wants to see this shit, man. But yeah, to Jeff's point about the manpower and resources, 200 people spent four years making the movie. The film consists of about 140. 42,000 frames. Each frame takes 90 minutes to render. Add that shit up. It's a lot. Altogether, about 120 years of combined time were spent on this movie. That's depressing. <laughs> and how much no wonder the movie was so expensive though but that information just... was very public because i remember hearing like the per frame cost and stuff when the movie was coming out because that was very much newsworthy stuff that this movie was coming out it's funny these guys were a video game company they said oh we're gonna become a movie studio and we're playing with the big boys we're going to hollywood and yet this was what they thought qualified their movie and like it made me picture the director of sakaguchi like meeting scorsese at a party and going oh martin i have so much to learn from you how many frames did goodfellas consist of like, <laughs> like he's just trying to measure himself on how uh, many render farms did casino need <laughs> the wikipedia is full of these things like their render farm housed 960 pentium three workstations and it's like boy this sounds like a nightmare they clearly thought this was all like a feature not a bug they yes. made the tech such a focus point of the marketing of the movie but then when the tech disappoints you don't have a movie to fall back on and that's kind of where they ended up they weren't pleasing anybody they weren't pleasing video game fans because you call it final fantasy there's not a cactor or a tom barry or a behemoth or a to be found anywhere it would have been an easy easter egg so easy but movie fans don't like it because it's not really a movie it's it's a tech demo the, the story kind of makes sense but it's acted and given to the audience in such a stilted way that it doesn't work and then tech fans are like yeah i guess it looks okay but it doesn't look real you're not fooling anybody it's it's also it is a little bit of a convoluted story and unless you are kind of familiar with i would say science fiction of like today's world is a lot more inclusive of fantasy and and all of that arc of the video games that have come before it like your average moviegoer going to this movie would take a bite of popcorn and miss like a two-part line and not have any clue what's going on or right. who any of the characters are they're looking for relationships between the characters that aren't there and then all of a sudden the aliens are ghosts okay i can take that in <laughs> why did one turn blue and now she has the spirit and why does gray have to die to make the spirit go out there and what happened i guarantee people came out of that movie just saying what was that like, what just happened oh yeah i'm not going to recommend this to anybody <laughs> and they didn't help themselves like a big chunk of the movie are wordless dream sequences that cut 
very subtly in between real life and dreams. And there's just aliens kind of storming around the landscape and rocks and fire. And like, if you needed a reason to get more confused, there was a lot of opportunities throughout the movie. Tons of them. Yeah. The marketing, like we we kind of touched on, it was also weirdly focused on Aki Ross as like a sex symbol for a movie that is not particularly sexy. There is like a makeout scene and Aki is meant to be pregnant at the end of this movie, which they kind of cut out of it. But it's not a sexy movie by any means. But then she was a Maxim cover girl and was ranked in the Maxim top 100 for the year of 2001 when this movie came out. So who are you trying to appeal to? You mean to tell me like Maxim readers are going to see her in the magazine and go watch this movie about spirits and science and like be taken with it? It's not hitting those buttons. It's not like that fun, dumb action movie that you think you would appeal to with a Maxim fan base. Right. I looked through this movie and I'm like, let me see if I can find something good to say about it. And one of the things was, hey, it has a female lead and they never sexualize her. Like they don't even get close. She doesn't even wear short sleeves once in this movie. Like there is no skin. She's not in a clingy tank top like Ripley or like none of the things that might happen in a sci-fi movie. Even with a strong, powerful female lead, she is bundled up in a thing that's up to her neck, long sleeves, padded jumpsuit the whole time. And then they ruined it afterwards. Someone in the marketing department was like, oh, by the way, can you render me a bikini shot of her? I got to take this over to Maxim and and get get hot and horny with it. That's what sells, guys. That's what sells. (laughs) Also, like there's pictures of real people in Maxim. Did you know that? Like you could just take photographs of live people. You don't have to spend 140,000 hours rendering a frame of Aki in a bathing suit. If you'll notice, the following year, Tom Hanks was on the cover of Maxim because he didn't want to be replaced by CGI. (laughs) That's true. So he's like, you're not taking my job. Weirdly, he was also ranked 63 on the Maxim Hot 100. He ranked higher than Aki Ross. I would agree with that. Who knew? So this obviously, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I still have that issue under my bed, but that was just a dumb joke that wasn't worth stopping for. Uh, It wasn't a joke. Exactly. (laughs) It's not a joke. We're learning more about Ian every day. Obviously, Square Pictures fucking decided, never mind after this movie was released, closed up shop. Square, I guess, they had the bug, the movie bug. They did want to dip their toes back into the biz. So 2005, they made Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which is another computer animated film. It's a direct sequel to Final Fantasy VII, which probably the most beloved of the Final Fantasies, I think Jeff would agree. It's a controversial statement anytime you say that. But One of my greatest shames is that I haven't watched or played any of the post-Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII world content. So I haven't seen oh, the wow. movies, haven't seen, haven't played, uh, haven't done any of my homework part. there. Advent Children is interesting. Critics didn't love it because the plot is hard to decipher if you've never played the game and also if you have. But fans did like it more than the spirits within because it's about Cloud and Sephiroth and all their faves. But it makes no fucking sense. That movie's bananas. But it's fun to look at. It's just big action scenes. But Square's, like, the people who do their CGI cutscenes in video games just made the movie for them. And it clearly wasn't as labor-intensive as trying to make everyone believe it's real. It was more of, like, an anime-type deal. So, But uh, worth checking out if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan. And then they made uh, Kingsglaive in 2016, which is a Final Fantasy XV movie, which I have never seen because I haven't played that game. Uh, I played the game. haven't seen the movie yet. I actually didn't know it existed until just now. Clearly, it was a big hit. Yeah, I never heard (laughs) anything about it. But, yes. So that's kind of where Square went with their movie dreams after this. Sakaguchi resigned from Square in 2004. I think that was around the time they merged with Enix, made Square Enix, which they still are to this day, I believe. And so so. that might have had something to do with it. But yeah, this movie kind of killed their aspirations to be the next big thing in movies. Yeah, they they jumped out of blockbuster territory. At least they learned their lesson, right? Like there's people in business that take more than one hit to to realize. You got to give them some credit for like, oh, we just don't know how to do this. We're done. 
Bye. Right. <laughs> That's actually Final Fantasy has a, a record of doing that because they came out with like, one of the Final Fantasy MMOs and like it wasn't a great game. The players just said, "Wow, we really waited for this. It wasn't great." And what they did in response is they said, "Okay, we're going to shut down all the servers. We are going to completely from scratch remake this game into a completely different game. That's what you guys asked for." And wow. then they relaunched the entire game as a brand new game and gave it away free yeah, to shit. everybody. Most and, companies like, would like patch it to death, and it would take years yes. to get it to the same place but credit to them because that was such a cool move that i do respect what they try to make as a product and they clearly care about it so i'm sure it hurt them to see the movie do so poorly but like it just wasn't good it's too bad there was a chance they could have taken it out of theaters and been like you know what you guys we hear the fans we are taking this movie back out of theaters we'll be back next year with another version of this movie aki is tifa but like all the lines are the same they can't change any of the dialogue they just change her outfits and cloud is gray it is hand animated because it is not 140 million dollar <laughs> hawaii farm this game didn't hurt the game series at all final fantasy 10 right. was the next game to come out after this one and that one was, was a huge hit i think it came um, out like a week or two later yeah oh so it came out the same month in japan but then it came out in december in north america so okay. in japan it was almost a simultaneous release but we had a few months between the movie and the game in north america but it was the first ps2 game to sell both 2 million and 4 million copies so it was a oh. just a massive hit and probably my favorite game of the series yeah it's a good so. one gameplay wise i would say so it walks that line of turn-based and kind of live action the yeah best. I, I totally agree and then blitzball was super fun. sphere grid the best progression system in any of the, the games i think oh, 10 2 had the dress spheres i never played 10 2 oh ian's so bored look at him no I know. <laughs> i'm picturing spheres and grids you guys this is what it's, i live for it's good stuff with all your free time ian uh you don't spend working on this podcast you should check out some old final fantasy games because i know i'm tempted I don't want to you. they're legends and you guys are talking them up again. I've got yeah. my loyalist issues and, and all my loyalty goes to Final Fantasy 7, but I will agree that 10 was one of the best for sure. Yeah. The voice acting was bad, though. So they were bad. still figuring that out. It was the first game with voice acting. Yeah, it was. Wow. So that they hadn't quite worked out those issues yet. But yeah, so we kind of did our thing where we look at the movie and see why it failed. It's pretty obvious this movie, why it failed and why it was going to. But did you have any final thoughts, Ian, you wanted to kind of put a little bow on this episode with? My final thought is case closed. Thank you, everyone. We solved <laughs> another mystery real easy this time. Sometimes it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah, we don't always have to look for deeper meanings. Sometimes it's just like, I don't want to see that shit. Maybe we have to look for deeper meanings to figure out why the movie truly was brilliant. No, I'm not doing that. Like how she got that last <laughs> spirit from within during her final fantasy which was the dream now <laughs> oh, you see this there's so much going on there and didn't the alien say that there was hope of new life or something weird when it gave her the spirit and that probably means something to somebody right? no, but you're right that line she says is there a really stilted line with a weird syntax it was cryptic it enough was something that there about could like be something life to right and what i took it to mean and what I'm, my guess of the secret meaning of the movie that they just forgot to tell everybody because i gotta make it somewhat okay in my mind i've spent hours of my time and we don't know how much time we have <laughs> left every day is a mystery so maybe the spirit the phantom that was inside of her saw the connection between her and the Gaia spirit, right? And uh -huh. knew that when these phantoms were canceled out, they would return to a new afterlife and become part of the Earth's energy. Now, let's just go with that. I'm going to go smoke a joint, and then we're going to come back and discuss this. Because <laughs> this is deep stuff. I, I feel a little lighter. I feel good about that.
Right? Yeah. You know what? That, maybe that's just everyone walks away a little happier if we kind of settle on that, I think. The guy who is eaten by the giant phantom space worm, though, we saw him get crunched. He's dead. He's gone forever. There's no yeah. part of what he was left. Right. He's bad. just meat now. Humanity gone. Why couldn't one of the big phantoms have been like a behemoth or that's a it. marble? That's all they had to do. Like, it would have been easy. Just like such a giant thing. phantom smog. And, so you know, simple. Why aren't we not on the board of directors at Square? Chocobos could have been easily added to this movie. She has one on her shirt in one scene there's like yeah. a little embroidered one on her shirt oh that's a little <laughs> easter egg for yeah you. and then there was sid and general hine was the name of a villain from one of the earlier ones but that's all i could come up with as far as connections so it's pretty sparse yeah yep all right, so I think we, we figured it out. Don't do this anymore. Don't make these movies. And if you do, don't make them cost $140 million because bad news, guys, you're not going to make it back. There's definitely something positive, like we said. The industry as a whole, both the game industry and the movie industry, got a little wake-up call. It's like, you know what? You actually have to know what you're doing to make a movie in a good one. And like <laughs> filmmakers should make movies. Game makers should make games. It's really interesting when their worlds come together and the game makers are always trying to add more rich narrative and, and characters and storytelling to their games. The filmmakers are trying to always capture the energy and vitality that, that the games have captured and that really excites younger generations. And it's really interesting how they play off each other. But don't just walk into the other guy's building and try to do his job. You're not going right. to pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on joining us this week. For what are we doing? Oh, we were recording all this. Yeah. Ah, I'm not signing. <laughs> I'm not signing the release forms. I didn't know. I don't know what I said. No, of course, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Honestly, this is a joy here. You guys follow Jeff. We'll put his, his social media handles in the episode notes and we'll tweet them out when the episode comes out. Can't wait yeah. to disappoint you all with the facts of the world. We had a good time. It's a good episode of The Blast Zone. I think we blasted it. We blasted it. All over. Oh, boy. Guys, <laughs> please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Blast Zone Pod. Send us an email, blastzonepod at gmail.com. Any suggestions, feedback, questions you have. And please remember, tune in next week. We'll be back with another episode. And we'll see you again in The Blast Zone. See you next time in The Blast Zone. The Blast Zone. The Blast Zone. Ooh. Drop it.